0: Hello, sweet friends, and welcome to the Vandal Trong Curious World Podcast. This particular episode is dedicated to anybody out there listening who's just suffering through a job that they really can't stand. I've had many jobs in my life. Uh, I've had jobs that I really liked and people that were really good to me and coworkers that you know became my friends. But I've had a lot of bullshit jobs. I mean, the work is the work. I think we all sign up to do work because we want to get paid. But just, I've worked with, with and for, just dipshits and assholes, man. Not to, I remember one and uh, I was in college. It was a work study program. I worked in the media center. And this this guy was, I don't know why he just felt like he needed to be high and mighty. Um, uh So it was a situation where you know you're you're at a desk usually with another another student um, and you know uh, uh you know students of the of the school would come down downstairs it was in the basement of the of the of our library and you know students would come downstairs and check out equipment or you know they needed to watch some archival footage of something and so you' you kind of work together um and you you can't leave until another student relieves you. So I had uh I had met a girl in the Boston Commons, uh, and I just figured like I knew it was running late, but I just figured, you know, um and I got her I got her number and I just felt like, oh, this is awesome or, you know. And I thought that was gonna be a legitimate reason. I was like fifteen minutes late. I thought that was a legitimate reason for being late. And I could have came up with some bullshit uh Excuse of like, oh, you know, I'm sorry later. I had to, you know, talk to my professor. But I was honest with my boss. And I said, hey, I met this really cute girl. And I was talking to her. And I got her number. And I just, like, I just felt like I needed to hang out with her for a few more minutes. And he fucking fired me. Well, he threatened to fire me. But then I quit. I was in that phase of my life where I could just be like, fuck me, fuck you. Uh, He was such a, what a motherfucker, man. Anyway. Uh, speaking of jobs, um, kind of a segue to my guest today. Uh, I've had, uh, I like guess I said, I've had many jobs, and uh, my guest today is responsible for helping me get a lot of the jobs that I've had in New York. Um, when I moved from LA to, to New York, I lived in Brooklyn, and I lived uh, in the same house as um, Jay Lombard. And Jay has gone through a lot of peaks and valleys and just kind of different adventures in his life, and it's all been eye opening for me just to see this process just to see him you know still be curious about the world and still you know still go hunting for for meaning and truth in his own way and uh, I'm glad that I've been able to witness it and i'm very honored to be his friend along the way. He is the creator of finest kind tea mixers and modifiers, but more so, he's just a dear friend. So without further ado, Jay Lombard. (coughs) (laughs) Back <laughs>
1: um, it, it's a mix of uh, business and pleasure. That's how, that's how I want to live my life. <laughs> that's your business card. <laughs> Mixing business and pleasure, yeah. So I'm here for work, and uh, also for a, a food book fair uh, conference, which was this past weekend, and uh, did some meetings, but also wanted to just be in New York because I miss this place.
0: Um, so what was the uh, the... The, the premise of the, what you say, book, food? The food. Or food book the fair. The
1: food book fair, yeah. It's organized by this friend of mine. Uh, it's the fourth year. It just happened uh, in Williamsburg this weekend, April 10, 11, and 12. It's a coming together of people who are doing innovative things in food, writing about it, um, doing podcasts about it, radio. Uh, the group from uh, Heritage Radio was there. And there was a podcast happening for one of the um, sessions. Oh, damn then. With uh, Mimi Sheridan, who was the first uh, fem- female food critic for the New York Times. When I grew up, I, I want to be Mimi Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> she was amazing. She ran circles around this guy who was the podcast uh, instructor. I won't mention
0: his name. Well, it mean he was like kind of he challenging was, her? He, he was
1: asking her questions. And, and she was just like, that's a dumb question. <laughs> But it was, just, but she would answer it, and he just he made his his podcast is about food, and and he but he sounded pretty clueless about
0: food. So he was just kind of trying to entertain.
1: Exactly, yeah. He was looking to entertain
0: and to provoke, and, and Mimi saw me
1: through that, and uh, mm.
0: so. See, folks, you'll you'll get no entertainment here. See, I'm <laughs> not trying to provide, not trying to upstart anybody. Um, you know, one thing that, that you know, in, in the, the, the journey that, that I've been along with is that in terms of Finest Kind Tea, that there, there's been some, some changes. There's, you know, originally uh, uh, it went from uh, just cold brew and now mm-hmm. you've kind of adopted a more of a mixologist uh, right. kind of uh, yeah. ingredient. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it definitely has evolved over the last two years. I mean, the idea came to me in Brooklyn. When I was in my kitchen and just had a, that at-home seltzer maker carbonator thing and wanted to find a solution for mixing and making a, a seltzer flavor naturally and uh, that's when I first started mixing up a batch of tea so I knew what I wanted it to be I was I was figuring out what I wanted it to be and the first iterations um, because it was so close to me I didn't really get a good idea of how the consumer would, would view it somebody who, who didn't know what it was and I, 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 in hindsight I didn't do enough market research I just kind of jumped in and made a batch and put a label on it and put it out there um, and then I, I, when I got feedback from people the first few months there was some confusion like what is this? I don't understand Like, what do I do with it? And so it was a tea concentrate, that's what it was called. And, uh, but the label wasn't clear. And some people actually even tried opening it up and drinking them. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. Really? tastes like dirt. No, yeah, you got to mix it. you got to mix it. And, I, and so the, there was a failure on my end on how to properly communicate, how to use it. And, but that was, it was good to learn because I made a small enough batch. It was a low enough risk to be able to get it out there and to learn. And I was able to use information that I, I learned from people saying, I'm confused. And then I needed to make it so that it was less confused. It was clear as to how, how to make it. Um, so I ended up dropping the word concentrate because there's such a um, reaction to that word concentrate. is like, how can it be natural if it's a concentrate?
0: Right. I think of, yeah, I think of like, I think of orange juice.
1: Yeah, the orange juice industry has said for 50 plus years not from concentrate printed on everything and not in concentrates better so here I am saying it's a concentrate (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that word went away and uh, I, I wanted to be careful about getting pigeonholed into a cocktail mixer category so I avoided the word mixer at first because I felt that it was just so specific for one use. Um, so I, I sat with that for a while and then realized that mixer was the best way to go. And mixers and, mixers and, mixers and modifiers is actually a, a term that's used by bartenders to describe their tools. So a mixer would be like a cranberry juice or a grapefruit juice and a modifier would be a syrup or a bitters. Um, so this, my product could do both it can be a base for the cocktail or it can be a way to add a, a burst of flavor and it can be an iced tea or it can be a seltzer mixer too.
0: Right. People so, could still use it as a yeah, so tea. So
1: enough feedback from the buyers who are in the retail markets to say this category is growing, beverage mixers are becoming, or natural beverage mixers we're making more space in the shelf for that. So bring it on. Let's.
0: And you, you uh, um, adjusted your, your size, right? I mean, originally I think it was, didn't you have like 16 ounce? It's, and now it's still 16, now.
1: yeah. It's still 16 ounces, um, but it's m- too many flavors. Uh, and still the same ratio for mixing. Seven parts water, one part tea gives you those eight
0: ounces. But don't you have the smaller ones? Yeah, look, yeah the, the little ones. It's like five-hour energy drink size. Yeah,
1: the little ones, those are um, uh, not-for-retail samples that I give out for people. Instead of giving somebody an entire bottle, um, just give them a little sample that they get to try and then decide if they want to buy it. So it's, it was a, just a, a good way to get it out there. But those things, those, things, those little two-ounce bottles... People saw those and oh, I want uh, two
0: hundred of them for for wedding favors. <laughs> so right. because they love the size, right? Yeah. I mean, the packaging—it's like a little adorable. Yeah.
1: So there's there's so many directions that I can go in right now. Uh, there's food service. I, I can do aseptic packaging. You know those um, boxes like uh, coconut water mm-hmm. and juices that are in the in the box or bricks. Uh, there's that for food service. It can go to restaurants and bars. Um, there's single serve you, know, you, can, you can go in the way of um, K-cups and, and pouches and have just a one ounce people put in their back pocket and go hiking or go to work and then open it up and have because you're adding water at the, at the point of consumption, people get to bring it anywhere.
0: What, what do you see in, in terms of your strategy and what's the most economically viable for you, what makes the most sense?
1: Uh, keep on doing what I'm doing right now and sticking with the sort of like the, the gourmet channel people who are uh, willing to look try something new and so getting the product out there in the hands of people who are going to find it in stores where they want to discover something new and are okay with a price point around $10 and uh, who are also probably people who do a lot of at home you know they invite people over for entertaining they do cocktails at home so try to de- define the, the the person who's most likely to, to to be the early adopter
0: the individual sizes the, those little tiny five hour energy drink sizes mm-hmm. or is that something you're going to venture into in terms of retail or maybe to see how it goes from now right now those the the cost
1: of producing those is prohibitive Right. Because it's manual latex. The, the labor involved in filling those little vials. Uh, getting all those illegal immigrants in over. Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are all the flavors that you have? Uh, there's four right now. There's the hibiscus and green tea, um, which is a bright ruby red floral tart. It doesn't have a lot of it's actually less than two grams of sugar per serving. Because you can always add sweetener, you can't take it away. Uh, the other one is an orange vanilla with rooibos tea, which is a South African tea. Uh, then a ginger oolong with lime and honey, and then the fourth is the the also popular uh, black tea and lemon, uh, kind of a half and half uh, mm-hmm. one. That's okay. one. Hey, Arnold Palmer. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like yes. Arnold Palmer. Yes, right? good old Arnold Palmer and his beverage.
0: Now, in terms now, from what you've gathered in terms of what's popular and and the feedback that you've gotten from from uh, from people that have tried it. What's the give and take for, on your end in terms of you want to be adventurous and you want to you know, you'll think beyond, you think outside the box, but at the same time, you want, you know, you, you want to you know, fit into what people conceptualize of of what it, this could be. Because, you know, most people like hibiscus... I've never tried... What, what, the, what the hell is that?
1: Most people in this country, yeah. But if you go to any other country around the world, people have been drinking hibiscus in various forms and calling it different names um, all over like Asia, Middle East, Africa, Caribbean. Hibiscus is, c- is consumed everywhere. So it's not unusual as far as a, an ingredient, necessarily, for most of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the thing that I'm discovering and that wasn't even my intention with this product, but it's actually pretty cool, as people are saying, hey, I'm gonna use that hibiscus as a salad dressing, or that ginger oolong, I'm gonna try that as a marinade for fish or tofu or chicken, and the orange vanilla is a rum spice cake ingredient. So you could have a whole four course meal with this tea product without even drinking it. I, I, I was like, wow. That's a great idea. So I'm asking people who try it to send me send me an email or, or tell me what you're doing with it. I'm discovering new ways based on people who are trying
0: it. Yeah, I was just gonna ask like, how is that? Um, because uh, you know, I would imagine a success that you know something that could really catapult your success would be you know word of mouth. So how is that? Like, how are you utilizing? um you know social media and yeah. how are you utilizing that you know to get the, the word out
1: doing uh daily posts on twitter instagram uh facebook trying to collaborate with other companies people who are doing things um to that we can combine forces and just getting more word out there so yes so, social media is key in building the brand um it's one element that will help and it, uh, just in the last few weeks I've really seen it, it take off and people are finding it because their friends are mentioning it and it goes not quite viral yet I, I hope it does to the point where it really spreads um, but I'm getting a lot of people to discover it through that form of media uh, so that, that that's one way um, also finding the right retail partner who will promote it and that's that's key because it's the the traditional way of advertising, uh, print and, and commercials. That's not really working anymore for companies. Right. And so you gotta. So it's this is a good time to have a new product, and to figure out a new um, method for getting the word out. And that could be Twitter's new app where they have this live video stream. You know, or um, there's a. Uh, Meerkat is one of the options, and Periscope. It's a really cool things that people haven't just tapped into.
0: It's amazing. Oh, by the way, um, I'm getting good audio, so you don't need to. I mean, like the yeah. as far as I where I am, that's a good distance. Just so you know, like you, because I I don't want you to From pop. Back, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can lean back if you want. Yeah. It's it's cool. Yeah. In terms of like how it, how how crazy me, uh, uh, technology has become, so. I ran into New York one's Pat Kieran. I don't know if you remember New York one. Oh, yeah. I ran into him, and then, like, I tweeted. Like, I ran into Pat, <laughs> Pat Kieran, and he, like, he like responded to that. What? And that's it's right. just, like, within, <laughs> within, like, five minutes. So I'm just, like, that's how small our world is. And it be. was the real Pat Kieran. It wasn't the fake Pat Kieran. <laughs> that was, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a real Pat Kieran. And he... Because he made a joke that oh, only he would make... Um, that, uh, that he makes on, on, on the broadcast. Yeah. But my point is, it's just, like, we're... We we can be connected so quickly, so 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 yeah, so quickly, and it's just like like boom, and our technology, yeah. and I just feel like a lot of like for instance, like I was reading, um, you know, HBO has has kind of like said oh, succumbed to like all right, you know, we're gonna put HBO Go online. Mm-hmm. So if you don't wanna buy the network, if you don't even have a TV, yeah. you can subscribe yeah. to our programming this way, and. You know, there's so many people that I know in New York City, maybe you, and, and maybe the same way in, in, in Maine, because it's basically, Portland's basically Brooklyn, part two. Oh, I don't have a TV. Hmm. So I, I think it was smart to H, for HBO to recognize that and just feel like, and rather than resist it. Yeah. And so, because so many companies, when they resist, they just become prehistoric. Right. And I just feel like that's, that's just kind of crazy with technology now.
1: One of the things I was doing here in New York, like yesterday I spent the day... Uh, at this video shoot for A Taste of New York and this the producer saw my product somewhere. I'm not even sure where she saw it but she called she emailed me and said I love your packaging love your concept do you want to be part of a Taste of New York segment where we'll match you with a bar in Manhattan and they'll make cocktails and it will be a collaborative promotional thing and it'll air every Wednesday night for a month on Time Warner Channel uh, and I was like really? you would do that for me?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and after I, after I, I kind
0: of... you've been on the East Coast too <laughs> <a> long
1: <laughs> and I talked to her had a great conversation next thing I know I'm, I'm signing a contract last week to do a shoot this week um, down at the Butterfly in uh, Tribeca And I send uh, four bottles, sample bottles of finest Kind mixers down there. And I don't give many directions. Like, here, just take them and make some cocktails for your free range. I show up Sunday night just to go over um, with the bartender. He's like, yeah, this is what I made. It's really cool. Can't wait for the shoot on Monday. The first time I even tried them was during the shoot on Monday. And they were amazing. And he picked up this um, kombucha. He did one of the mixers with a kombucha. And I took a photo, put it on Instagram, tagged the kombucha company, and within minutes, they saw it. And then they were like, this is really cool. So we made an instant collaboration with a couple of keystrokes based on somebody's decision to just involve uh, this ingredient. And
0: now we have a partnership. <laughs> I just developed over Instagram. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the thing that, and I think because of technology, see, I think there's a lot of bad things about technology, but one of the mm-hmm. great things about technology is that it creates communities like that. And, and hopefully, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast, where, regardless of where you live, is that we're, we're coming into your, to your computer, your earbuds, or whatever, however you're listening to this, and, and the fact that you're, you're not right here. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. it creates a technology. The technology creates a, a community just like that, and it's so instantaneous. Right. And I think that's, that's brilliant. So as a as a small business owner, that I would imagine that's something that kind of pl- that levels the playing field, as opposed to oh. just like shelling out dough for like Absolutely. ads here and there
1: and for for very low cost. I was able to have resulted in what looked like a, a really high quality production that'll air in front of how many millions of eyeballs <laughs> like in this in June for pennies, and. I get to mention the companies that are selling up the products, so it was just like this, this is gold, and it was just dropped in my lap. So that would not have happened, or couldn't have happened that 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 level of impact couldn't have happened without the technology we have right now.
0: What um, so what stimulates you? What what gets you excited in terms? Not I don't mean just just sure. with finest kind tea. I just yeah. mean like um, you know for. For um, for my audience, who you know, you've you've heard me mention finest kind tea time to time again, you know, before podcasts, episodes, and so forth. But um, what you don't know is that I actually know Jay personally. He's not okay. <laughs> big big spo- spoiler alert! He's not just a guest here who's promoting finest kind tea. He and I are actually we're friends yeah, in real life. We go back. Real life, know, not just right. cyber uh, cyber friends. Um, before the iPhone was around. So, <laughs> before we were complaining about Bitcoin, um, so one thing that I'm always curious about uh, whenever I can catch up with somebody is, you know, what's, you know, what's stimulating you now? What's, you know, what's interesting to you now?
1: Yeah. Um, damn, that's a good question. It's, it's, but for me, it's, it's okay to want to be happy and to want to take care of yourself and, and do things that you enjoy. For so long in my life, I was doing things for other people and giving up my happiness so that somebody else could benefit from my work and my effort. And then I started taking care of myself. And leaving New York was key in that. Getting, uh, moving to New York back in 2002 was one of the best things that I ended up doing for myself eventually but leaving New York 10 years later was also one of the best things I could do for myself and the last few years um, I really felt that I went from being in a rut to being right in a groove and I feel like I'm in a groove right now and started to take care of myself so
0: yeah it's it's I think it, it's it's sad to me whenever I hear about people who, um, you know, things are going to pop up in, in our lives, right? I mean, regardless whether it's, it's...
1: Challenges and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, things that are just going to really pull you down. Um, and, and some of us are programmed to, to look at the world negatively. I can honestly say that's primarily how I am. I'm a, typically a pessimist and I'll see something <laughs> and like, oh, shit. So, I got to do... Like, this is going to fuck me up, and this is going to fuck me I got to do... I got to take care of this. And I... I... And I, like... Out of ten things, eight things are great. And then the two things are just... Are, are bad. And I'm just going to blow that up. And mm-hmm. so, like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. That's... That's so severe. But, like yourself, it's taken me time. It's taken me years to to understand that that's a learned behavior, mm-hmm. and I've tried, I've had to kind of flip that around, and, um, yeah, you know, for, uh, you know, when I, I actually didn't know Jade that well, I, we, we, we knew each other on the periphery, and then, uh, I was living in LA, and I had, a I had a pretty life-changing breakup, and, and then Jay said, "Hey, do you want to you want to come live with me in Brooklyn?" And I didn't really know I didn't really know you, and it was a situation where um, yeah, I'll just throw caution to the wind and I'll do it. But I was actually kind of, just kind of moved by the fact that here was a guy that had just had empathy for my situation and kind of understood what I was going through, and just had an open heart. So I, uh, you know, I've, I've always I've always been grateful for that. So I appreciate it. So thank you for that.
1: You're very welcome. And I always look
0: back on that and I always think like, you know, in terms of turning points and bookmarks in my life, you know, that was definitely, that was definitely one, you know, coming, coming from LA and coming back to Brooklyn and, and coming back to New York, coming to Brooklyn. Um,
1: I, I think that there was a, a, some things happening in, in my life too that triggered my response and I think we are both going through things that were similar so it was, for me it was a bit like having somebody else who's uh, who could be empathized with what them. I'm going through I want to surround myself with like a fellow brother who's in pain
0: <laughs> well I handled my pain quite differently though true um, yeah, yeah yeah I mean that was uh that was the uh that was like what I call my, my uh werewolf era and I was uh, I mean I was drinking pretty hard back then and uh I was kind of a mess but um you know i i have no regrets i have no regrets about la i have no regrets about that time in my life i just mm-hmm. cuz like i wouldn't be where i am at this moment if i didn't go through that you know and i just feel like i remember um in in college when i uh i would be around these these uh these kids who you know, they didn't have to work and they would always go... I remember, I ever, like, I'd hang out with them. We'd go down the street. We'd go down uh, Boylson or Newbury and they were always hitting the ATM and getting money. I'm not... I'm not uh uh, uh putting them down for having money. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, they just don't have... They don't live in my world. And then... um yeah. A friend of mine said, well, look, man, don't be... Don't judge. And, you know, you're... You know, life is like kind of when you go to the beach, you know, some people are afraid to get into that cold water, mm-hmm. but once you get in that cold water, it does warm up, and then you can, you can you'll you be, you know, you can go swimming, and it'll be fine, and I've always thought about that, and I mean, life is really what you make of it, right? I mean, you can yeah, stay yeah. on shore, or you can kind of wade in the water, or you can you can go swimming. Um, anyway, we kind of got, got it kind of a little tangent here. Uh so
1: well, one thing you were saying earlier about like what you project like you were saying that, that you're, you can come across as being like you skew angry or you, you can easily like trigger people like oh screw that and I, I really felt like the last year or two I was in New York I was unhappy and people picked up on that immediately when they met me like it was just Jay's not doing well and I just projected this persona of somebody who's it's kind of Slogging along and not finding his happiness, and not, and now a couple of years later, I feel good, and people pick up on that around me. And now I have these relationships and people who've met me just recently, uh, and it feels completely different than the than people who had met me you know towards the last few years in New York. So it's, it's, it's what I really can see firsthand how how my Outgoing behavior affects other people around
0: me. Right. And I feel the same way too about my life. And it's funny, like, and I look back on the people that I knew when I was, um, you know, disgruntled van, and I think about, you know, some of the, like, the connections that I had and why I. A lot of times we're. we connect with people because, you know, misery loves company. You know, I. I want to complain with somebody who understands mm-hmm. the world, you know. And sometimes we're fooled and thinking like, "Oh, you get me, right? You understand what I'm saying, right? You know my point of view, right?" No, you're just you're just being negative, and you want somebody else to be negative too. Hear that? Yeah. I mean, but it's all about a choice, and I really feel like, oh yeah. I mean, we're all human beings, right? You're going to be negative, but you don't have to dwell on that. Uh, that word choice is, is absolutely key. I just got out of a relationship
1: with somebody and she chose to be unhappy I mean mean not on a, on a fully conscious level but she could be she she would, she would be unhappy and she would be sad and I want her to, to not feel that way and I can try to tell her well you can just let go of this let go of whatever anger you have with somebody or whatever's affecting you and be happy. And it was a concept that she didn't want to accept. And I am fully embracing it. I choose to be happy.
0: Now what how did you feel when she when when during that dialogue there was there was resistance?
1: Uh, it's a lot of frustration, but also wanted to um, come up with a way to demonstrate the effectiveness of this okay this is she she could something could go wrong in the morning and it would be still talked about at night (laughs) and it's so what good does it do to still be angry about something that happened in the morning that you cannot ever impact change it's over move on
0: so, trying because we want to embrace that one thing, you know. We want to. We it's uh, it's our it's our imperfections that we that we want to cover up. We want to conceal. We want to we want to you know tug under the dirt so nobody can see. Yeah. Um, uh, but did that did that reinforce for you of you oh. know? That hey, this this is actually this is really important to me. It
1: very clear as to what I needed in my life, yeah, yeah. She's a good person, I and I enjoyed my time with her, but I wanted her to be happier than she was, and um, there was frustrations that okay, we had a point where we shouldn't be together because we're not. Anything I do isn't isn't helping You'd be happy. So,
0: did you feel that in your? Uh whether it's this relationship or, or your previous relationships that um, that you felt that, that you could hide out in your relationships?
1: What do you mean? Like hide out? Because like, there, there was just like a, a comfort level, a bit, hey, I'm in this and this is my familiar zone kind of thing.
0: That, that, what I mean a little more specific is, you know what, I can make this person happy so I really don't have to worry about, I don't really have to, you know, I got a bunch of shit that I need to work on but you know what hey this, I'm, valid, I'm getting validated because I'm making this person happy yeah. so yeah. yeah you know it's, it's, it's cool I'll just keep I'll just keep I'll, you know I'll keep the, the, the oars the, rowing the
1: path of waste resistance yeah I mean I, I I like being in a relationship with somebody I don't, I don't want to be alone so but so I would definitely try to keep that going but the last few months of being single have been great. <laughs> so, um, it's certainly, the, my, my character is somebody who, who wants to keep trying to make things work even when they're struggling. I want to find a solution and I don't like giving up on somebody or something.
0: Even now, even all that you, from all that you've learned, no, no, less so now.
1: Uh, now I, I'm I'm much more uh, capable and and able to to let go. But there was a long term period there where I I struggled to let go of
0: things that weren't working out. Yeah, yeah, and, me too. I, and
1: you certainly know this, the specifics of that story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, um, you know if you want to use the 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 psychological terms of uh, like givers and takers you know for a while i was i was just a giver and I, I i i got true validation from making somebody else happy and then of course when you want to reinvent yourself you go completely 180 and mm-hmm. you be you know you just take 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 Even take take if you feel guilty you You're just like i don't give a fuck you know and it's just like uh and but what I've learned from, from that process is, you know, I am not responsible for anybody's happiness, and nobody's responsible for my happiness. Right. You know, I mean, oh, sure, yeah. And I think when I let go of that and, and say, like, you know, if somebody, if somebody that I love or I care about is sad or going through something, maybe they just need to be heard, maybe they just need someone to listen. I don't need to fix them. And, you know, yeah. where I was, you know, seven years ago. I'd be like, oh my God, you don't, you feel sad? Oh, well, well, I'll drop everything I, I'm doing right now. Like, what, what what, can I do? What can I do for you? And the, the days afterwards, you're still trying to lift them up. Right. But I'm like, I, it's just, a, I have like, not only like my own self respect of like my own life, but for you too. I'm like, mm-hmm. I got shit to do and you're a human being and you've solved problems before you met me so you'll figure <laughs> it out like respectfully you'll figure it out yeah. and um and for me that's been empowering and it's allowed me to see people in a better light because of uh, flip side of that there are people who Mm -hmm. who who do want you to solve who do want you to wave your magical emotional wand of like help me rescue me save me and it's like you know what I'm not going there wise choice so how's life in Maine God so good
1: I love it up there I feel like I have a home I do that for the first time in my life I actually own a home couldn't have done that in Brooklyn I was getting priced out. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful... Portland, Maine is a, an amazing place to live. Um, great friends, good people. So much happening up there. It's a vibrant community. Um, and, and the great thing is, I can come down here for a few days and get the best in, of, I, of New York, visit all my favorite spots, discover some new things, and then go back. It's not it's not like i, I give up anything by leaving here other than all the crap.
0: How's your uh, perspective? Cuz you know, you know, there's that whole uh, mentality of New, like when you live in New York of you know, accelerated heart rate. Your your uh, oh, yeah. your anxiety is a little bit higher than most people. There's
1: a pace here that happens in life in everything about life that is constant and rapid and unlike anywhere else that I've, I've ever been. I'm sure other cities may have that too, but in New York City, uh, the the stereotype of the, of the New Yorker is that the, he or she is a jerk and that they're gonna run you over and that they're rude. But that's not true. The, for the most part, the people here, they just, they're moving so fast and they have to move quickly to get where they need to go They can't stop and necessarily help you along the way or to point out where you need to go. They might just walk right past you and it may seem rude, but they're just keeping up with the pace to survive.
0: But the thing about New York and, uh, well, uh, America essentially is that, well, New York specifically is that we have so many, we have such a variety of people here that it's, it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. a monolithic culture like, um. Uh, like Scandinavia or Japan or something where, okay, well they typically do this, this, and this and they're going to mm-hmm. react to this whereas, oh You're my, man, there's just I mean, certain parts of New York that's yeah. predominantly Spanish than mm-hmm. English and, you know, and then you know, Soho is going to be different than Harlem and so forth. And, and then mm-hmm. obviously if you want to extend that to to the, you know, outside of you know, the different states and different regions of, 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 of the country, um but yeah, I mean, I guess each, each pocket has its own mentality, right?
1: Sure, sure. And it's a scale, it's a matter of scale, but also of um, diversity. And Maine is not a diverse place, obviously. It's one of the widest states in the union. And uh, there's uh, economic diversity. There's you know, very wealthy and, and people who are struggling to, to get by. Um, is it Red Sox or Yankees I've always wondered about in, in Maine yeah. Oh it, it's predominantly Red Sox I mean we've got the Sea Dogs, you know the farm team up there um, but yeah there's a, quite a few there's a lot of people from New York who come up
0: oh because they amass their wealth here they, the they have England.
1: their yeah they have their, uh, their homes up there um, yeah Patriots man that's the that's thing in, in Maine people are football crazy
0: Oh, that, well, that's pretty convenient right now. But Really, there's, there's no uh, Giants transplants or anything.
1: You see that occasional Steelers or Packers, but uh, the Patriots are uh, pretty hardcore. Red Sox, definitely. The Sea Dogs games, it's one of the, my favorite things to do in Portland a uh, summer night. People just turn out for this in, in, in droves. And it's, Portland only has 65,000 people in the entire city. That's like half of Greenpoint (laughs) money. It's like, so, yeah, things are are different in a lot of ways up there. And it's a town where if you do go on a date with somebody, uh, you may run into somebody else who that person dated. (laughs) (laughs) There's no dive bar (laughs) that you can kind of like slunk into. um, Yeah, dive bars, but you probably know somebody in there. It's not like you can just uh, slink away. It's hard to hide in a city of sixty-five thousand people.
0: Uh, But there are a lot of New York, a lot of Brooklyn transplants, right? Hell yeah, yeah, Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Portland,
0: Oregon, San Francisco,
1: Brooklyn, and Portland, Maine, seem to have some connections. Right now, especially that it's like a, a railroad connecting those. So it's often when I'm in a coffee shop or somewhere in Portland, or I talk to somebody who's not from Maine, who's probably lived in Brooklyn or San Francisco before, and 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 we have maybe we have a friend a friend in common too. Um, and Portland and uh, Maine Maine relies on on tourism for its economic. Um, growth and, and for the the main basis of where we get our our funding, <laughs> tax base. Um, and so the hospitality industry, restaurants and bars, are, are one of the, the key um, economic engines in Portland to keep things going. So when you get to meet people in, in that community, they absolutely have been working in, in kitchens in, in, in New York and bars.
0: Oh, you know what I've been meaning to ask you recently is... Uh... Um, we, you know you went to uh, the Galapagos Islands right you went to Ecuador oh yeah that was amazing so you, you would recommend that as a, as a before you die place yeah, to go absolutely
1: yeah. and sooner sooner rather than, than later um, the place is becoming uh, well worn by tourists now. oh there's a lot of damage going on and the, the, the government in Ecuador is allowing larger ships to come in more people more just sewage being dumped out of the cruise ships and affecting the ecosystem. So it's it's kind of sad that they're just thinking of making money off of it. But uh, oh my God, yeah,
0: I go back there in a heartbeat. What was the the thing that stood out to you? Like when you, if you, you, when you're, like in the the forefront of your brain when you think (laughs) of it.
1: There are memories I have of diving, snorkeling with sharks. And penguins and lying on a beach with sea lions and um, it's like walking through one of chapters of Darwin's books and being able to reach out
0: and now that's easily accepti- accessible or did you have to like the go, go is pretty,
1: it's a you have to you can only get there by flying from the mainland so it's about an hour and a half flight from Ecuador but once you once, you're once there, you fly
0: on once you get once you arrive in the island then islands, you're going to see all those things that you. You're used to only
1: travel. you're only allowed to move mm-hmm. around with a guide, uh. and uh, you have a so you have a boat where you're and it's like, it's like uh, a twelve to one ratio, so for every twelve people, I think there's one guide. And uh, I spent ten days on a boat traveling different islands, and uh, just in awe. Of what's out there I, and I, I went there because of um, Hank Moses remember Hank yeah he was the headmaster and he Hank was my mentor Hank was a guy I looked up to immensely when I was working here in New York and he and I were sitting in an airport in Chicago we're doing a tour for the, the Alumni Association and uh, he, he looked at me and said Jay what do you want to do with your life I was like, I want to oh, rock. I want to rock. <laughs> and I was like, Hank, I, I want this is when I was working in development as an associate director of development, doing fundraising. And I, I gave him an answer that I thought he wanted to hear. I told him, I'm going to get my master's in education at Columbia. he's like, bullshit. You don't want to do that. You're just like, do you really want to stick with education? Like, what, what are you passionate about? What, what, what moves you? And you hear that question a lot. You hear... People say, "What are you passionate about? What do you What do you want to do with your life?" But nobody had ever asked me, who, who really cared about me, who really cared about the answer. Even my own father, like he doesn't, wouldn't have asked me that question, or it seemed like he even has the interest in knowing what I, what I want to do, what I want to do with my life. But Hank asked me, and and Hank said, uh, "Figure out what you want to do with your life." And that's after Hank died because uh, we we talked at the airport in that terminal he said uh, he asked me like figure out what you want to do with your life and travel and I asked him well if before you die where would you want to go and he said the Galapagos and after he passed away I, I part of the reason why I went there was for him Whoa. so and then when I left uh, the school I ended up following my passion which was dogs Oh, and started that uh, dog daycare boarding rescue place and doing that because I wanted to follow my heart for the first time. And you know, that's what really got me on the path to where I am right now. That one conversation in the airport in Chicago,
0: don't where. Wow. So if you were to have that conversation with yourself at, say, let's say... T- I'd say twenty-one-year-old Jay. What would you oh, tell
1: him? Wow. Uh, damn! Don't get married at 25. do Don't get married. Okay. Peace out. Figure out what you want to do. Figure out what you want to do with your, out what you want to do with, with your life, and don't make decisions based on um, trying to make somebody else happy. You know, find out where you're happy, like where I am right now. <laughs> twenty years later. If you don't do it now, twenty you'll do it later. years later. Because my, my birthday's next week, and I'll be forty-one. <laughs> twenty years later, and uh, I I found my happiness. So yeah, it, it was a late conversation to have with myself, but I'm glad I
0: had it. I'm glad I am where I'm right now. Awesome man. Um, well, I I feel like that's a that's a perfect way to perfect spot to to kind of uh, bring this to a close I can't think of anything better to, to end this with how about um,
1: sponsored by finest kind mixers and modifiers
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I'll put that as a, as a stinger um, <laughs> well that could be the yeah. well we'll have a we'll have a huge band <laughs> uh, Metallica will play um, uh, Jay um, a, any um, any final words for, for our listeners
1: I'll be back <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. Expendable 6 Starring J Love because this,
1: this is this is a this is a, a new chapter, man. Being down here when the, all the things that have happened this week. a lot of good things happening and I want to come back 6 months or a year from now And give you an update.
0: So your your advice to to, to anybody, regardless if it's if it's a, the twenty year old, one year old version of you or anybody, just find find something you're passionate about. Love yourself. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, we can throw that around in Jess, right? I mean, it it is kind of funny, it, but like it, yeah. for me, it's like because if you're miserable, then well, there's no point. There's no point in anything, mm-hmm. regardless if you're. You know, you're baking bread or you're a soldier or you're a mother. Find a, a reason for
1: change. And like I was saying earlier, like I, in New York, I was surviving. I wasn't thriving. It was just survival mode. And I was in a rut. And it was, you're still moving when you're in a rut. You're not really going very fast and you're not making a lot of progress. There's a lot of friction. But
0: find your groove. Find your groove. Jay, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. So good to be here. Thanks, brother. Uh, well, that's it. The, the definitive conversation with Jay Lombard. And you can check out Finest Kind Tea at... Uh, what you. Um, exp- uh, where can they find them? They, uh, on, here in New York City, at West Elm Market.
1: Broadway and Dumbo.
0: And uh, the Twitter, uh, Instagram. Finest
1: Kind Tea. That's uh, all on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow that handle. Finest kind T-E-A. tea,
0: and I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll put up the, the links to all that good stuff on, on my website as well. Tweet the blank out of it. <laughs> this is an R-rated <laughs> NC seventeen show. You can uh, you can say bojangles if you want. Um, bojangles. <laughs> everybody, thanks for listening. Um, so as, as if you haven't already uh, acknowledged already, be kind to yourself, and not only that, I ask you to go out and do good in the world. Thank you, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to my conversation with Jay Lombard. Um, one thing that uh, that bears repeating that I um, admire about Jay is that he admits to his imperfections, and he he'll never say, you know, I'm I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm I'm the toughest. I'm the strongest. He's um you know he's very comfortable with his vulnerability, and uh, quite honestly, it really has kind of turned certain people off that, uh, that I know, or that, that we mutually know. Um, needless to say that those people aren't, they're not in my life. I don't really associate with them anymore. I think it's the opposite. I think when you have enough um, fortitude to uh, be comfortable uh, with your vulnerability and say, look, I'm working things out, that to me is, is uh, that's strength you know um, as opposed to posturing and saying I'm you know I'm I'm right great you know you're smart you're the smartest guy in the room great Um, he's a unique guy he's um, really admire what he's doing not just with the tea but just his life and um, yeah go follow him on on Twitter and Instagram and um, all the social media stuff Uh, not just for the tea but just, you know, just his life and where he's going, and he's going on a really interesting journey. So, um, yeah, it's very inspiring. So, so take that with you on your, uh, on your, on your own journey. Thanks, guys.